You're listening to The Big Show with Russick and Rose on the official home of your Calgary Flames, Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Hour number two. It's The Big Show, Russick and Rose, Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Live from Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studio. Your chance to win. Kiss tickets. Kiss. Do you have it, Alex? Do you have you, you saying it? Can we hit it? With this yeah, I'll just have to pull the music down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We can't do two things at once. I'm just playing them off the same thing. Oh, okay. We don't have a million faders, George. That's not the way it works. Why? Well, what do you mean, why? Aren't we a professional radio station? Well, we have like 14 of them. Yeah. But sometimes there's multiple things that are playing out of one computer. Okay. As a technical thing. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh-huh. Listen, he's trying to do his job back there, okay. and I'm just trying to stall so he can find the clip and play it and get yeah. me out of this spot here. Yeah. Yeah, your tickets to win to that, courtesy of Alex, 960-960, name and location. That Toffoli breakaway was more clutch than blank. That Toffoli breakaway last night was more clutch than blank. Jeff Blair is the co-host of Blair and Barker mm-hmm. on the Sportsnet Radio Network and Sportsnet 360. He's going to join us at the bottom of the hour. Looking forward to it. Yeah, we'll get Jeff's take on Kiss. Sure. Jeff's like Jeff's like a music savant too. Is he? I want to get his take on Kiss. What's his like era of of what's his wheelhouse? Mm, I don't, that you should probably ask him that question. Mm. Since you don't know, I'm going to. Okay, good. Hold on, let me write that down. Right, write it down. Wheelhouse. Uh, Ryan Leslie um, from Sportsnet covers the Flames at eight o'clock. Sarah McClelland covers the Minnesota Wild. Uh, she's going to join us at eight thirty. She works for the Star Tribune. In Minnesota, uh, Flames play the back end of a back-to-back tonight in Minnesota after that dramatic 5-4 win last night in Dallas over the Stars thanks to the Tyler Toffoli breakaway. Gorgeous pass from Jonathan Huberto comes in, buries it. Flames win 5-4. Um, Jacob Markstrom let in four goals last night. Thought he played really well. Didn't hate him. Yeah, That's for sure. You can't really like, fault him on a lot. Jason Robertson, one-timer on the power play. Which that, bounced off a flame in front. And completely changed direction about yep. six feet in front of him. Went right underneath the bar. Jamie Ben tipped the tying goal in. 4-4. Breakaway, shorthanded, that just sneaks through him. And Hannafin yep. has a chance to swipe off the line, but he can't swipe it off yep. said line. Mason McTavish would have picked that off the line, but Mason, not Noah Hannafin. Yeah, he would have done it with his boots. Yeah. And then he would have taken a gold medal home. Right. Uh, and then the other goal was uh, Max Domi's yeah. off a uh, Hannafin turnover, which was a nice shot. And yeah, like and Domi's just killed the Flames so, in every game he's played. Against he, here's the question I, I wanted to ask like you: that ad for Dallas, by yeah. the way. Uh, here's the question I wanted to ask you um, during the Rose Report: You go back with Markstrom tonight? <sighs> How many did he stop yesterday? Thirty-three shots that he faced. Twenty-nine on thirty-three. <laughs> He's been good. Ooh, he's been like good. even last night he was good. He was he was good against the Wild. That he was good against the Leafs. He was good in relief against the <laughs> Bruins. Like you need this one. Like how uh, I know Vladar, and I think maybe the pressure's off now because he knows he can't take over the number one job right now. Also tends to play better on the road than he does at home. So you think Vladar gets to start tonight? 
I don't know. Mm. Is there going to be a lineup change tonight? Does this... Walker Dewar find himself back into the lineup? Or he's going to go with the exact same lineup that won last night in Dallas. I would say you're probably getting the same lineup. I would be more. I I would bet more that they're going to do a goalie change than a lineup change. Okay, so you're saying there's okay. So there's, there's a higher chance that Dan what? Vladar plays than Walker Dewar. Okay, how about that? Well, I was going to ask you who who's more likely to play tonight, Jacob Markstrom or Walker Dewar? Walker Dewar. Okay. I think. Really? You sure? I don't know. Patrick, who's more likely to play tonight? Jacob Markstrom or Walker Dewar? Hmm. Walker Dewar, I think. Ooh, okay. You saucy minx. Like the thing <laughs> I think they could I think it's I think they give Dan Vladar the night. I think Markstrom got the start against Saturday against Minnesota. I think you give Vladar they only got one more back to back left the rest of the way. Uh, I believe it's in a couple weeks to do LA Anaheim. But yeah, I figure Levar gets the start tonight, and then you got to run with Markstrom the rest here until the next back to back. They had to kill like three and a half penalties, which those are more taxing on netminders than yep. when you're on the power play, that type of thing. I I would probably say Dan Vladar. They got into Minnesota around twelve thirty uh, local time yesterday, so that would have been you know just a few hours after that game would have ended. Mm-hmm. So. I don't know. I would probably say Dan Vladar starts and you stick with the same lineup. But then again, like we talked about off the op- opening segment, like if this is a spot where you can go to Milan Lucic and try and do a little bit of load management rather than a healthy scratch type of situation, I would try and float it to the big man. Um, Nick Ritchie was obviously a difference maker last night for the Calgary Flames, and I thought Troy Stetcher was had a good game. I liked Troy Stetcher. I just, I just thought it was weird because watching as many games as I have of Nick Ritchie, that Daryl Sutter says he's the type of player you got to give him a lot of ice time. Well, he has to be engaged, right? Yeah, that that feels like what the message was from the I head ju- coach. I just never understand that at the NHL level. Like, even if you're playing five or six minutes, make sure you make those minutes count. Like, I, I agree. Yeah, but then again, I'm, I think about it. And I'm like. Could could you imagine being like, okay, go for a 35-second shift and then just sit here for 12 minutes? Right. Like of real time, not yeah. like of play-by-play time, yeah. like of literal real time. Because sometimes you're going, you know, two commercial breaks. Mm-hmm. Like, God forbid you get into one of those periods where you don't get your first TV timeout for 13 minutes. Then the last seven minutes of the frame has three commercial breaks. And if you're a fourth liner, you get what? One shift in the last... Seven minutes of ice time, plus all your stoppages, plus your four and a half minutes of TV timeouts, and then you've got an 18-minute intermission. Like, I understand how if you're only skating six, seven minutes a night, it can be hard to stay engaged. Mm -hmm. It shouldn't be. Like, us sitting here, we say it shouldn't be, but I don't know. That's my devil's advocate take on that. Um, When it comes to Nick Ritchie, too, um, if the... If the Stars score on that penalty he took with two and a half minutes to play. Oh, he's wearing the goat mask. Oh, yeah. Like, he definitely, that, that was an undisciplined that an penalty. easy answer on if Walker Dewar is getting in the lineup. Yeah, that was even then, a very undisciplined penalty, which would have tarnished his Flames debut, which I thought, again, especially in that first period, uh, he was a difference maker. I thought Rasmus Anderson last night was fantastic. And it looks like he's finally... Shaking off to whatever happened to him that that just scary incident in Detroit. 
And again, there's another shining example of how we treat these players like commodities and not human beings first. Like when we were talking Who, about Jacob Markstrom last week? Right, with, with the birth of his first child. Like, we don't know what, what's going on off the ice and how these guys think. Because they, they all have real problems like we do, although their lives are generally awesome. But what happened to Jacob Markstrom? Jacob Markstrom. Rasmus Anderson's serious stuff. In Detroit, when he got hit by, well, yeah. he was on the scooter, and then he told us, or he told the media that he woke up in an ambulance. That yeah. was all he remembered from it. Like, it was a pretty jarring yeah. experience, I'm sure. And he, I thought he was fantastic last night. That goal he scored last night to make it 4-2 was an absolute laser and an absolute missile uh, for him last night as well. I thought Huberto was a lot more engaged last night. And it's about time because he they desperately need him and Kadri to elevate their games here if this team has any chance of making a run. And even last night, like again, the Flames have one of the easiest schedules remaining in the NHL. They need to take advantage. All of a sudden, if they can pull out a win tonight in Minnesota against the Wild, mm-hmm. all of a sudden you get two big wins, especially if you can do it in regulation. What a huge four points would this would be for the Calgary Flames. I like what Nick Ritchie brings to that line, and I think that he can help them against a team like the Minnesota Wild. Because what we saw from Ritchie, and there was a couple of instances where, and I actually love this about Pelche, that he's not afraid to go to the front of the net and eat a couple of cross checks and all that type of stuff. But I don't know if Pelche is scoring that first goal the way that Nick Ritchie does. Because Nick Ritchie has to outmuscle Jamie Benn to get to that yeah. loose puck in the slot. And we saw later on in the period, Jamie Benn outmuscled Nazem Kadri to a puck to get a deflection that tied the game later on. Is Jacob Pelche winning that battle? Probably not. Is he going to go in there and lead with his chin? Hell yeah. But he's probably not going to win it. Nick Ritchie did a couple of good things where he just got to the middle of the ice, found some open space. I liked him against the wall. I thought he did good work down below the net. So that's a good addition. And if you can get those top three lines going the way that we saw yesterday, yeah. And they're all able to chip in, you know, none of them are going to be littered with, you know, 100 point 40 goal scores like we saw last year. But if they can chip in a little bit and keep the puck out of their own end, I think you like how that sets up. It's funny to me that the way the Flames play when they're playing well, it goes hand in hand on how they kill penalties. Well, without a doubt. When the Flames are super aggressive on the PK, I feel like their game at five on five is aggressive as well. And we saw that last night. I thought the PK was great last night for the Calgary Flames. Nobody ever talks about like top PK tandems. Everyone wants to talk about your top power play units and all that jazz because it's the sexy thing to look at. But, man, is there a better tandem as far as your first penalty killers over the board than Elias Lindholm and Michael Backlund? Mm -hmm. Because they're hard-pressed to find it. The way that those guys... Usually win the face-off because you've got two opposite hands. They can take the draw on either side. doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. Get the clear there. And the way they hold the line after is outstanding. I thought Blake Coleman had an, a great game down in his uh, home state of Texas as well. He was masterful on the penalty kill as far as holding the line. And I thought he was rumbling around like his usual self. He didn't find the score sheet in the same extent that we've seen him in other times. But I did think he had a factor. And he's another one of those guys that... When he's killing penalties, you feel comfortable. Him and Trevor Lewis, man, like they're the two guys that when you look at the bottom six, they're probably the two most important. Uh, two, Michael Back would be one of the most important players. But after him, you get to Coleman and you get to Lewis, and the way that those two kill penalties is important. You look at the top nine, 
There's eight guys that play on the power play, and there's one guy that plays on the kill, and that would be Blake Cole. Uh, Flames are six points. Um, well, they're five points behind the Colorado Avalanche for that second wild card in the Western Conference, although the Avalanche have three games in hand. Don't look now. The Predators are ahead of the Flames in the standings, and they have three games in hand on Calgary, tied up at 69 points apiece. And they were selling at the deadline. Yep. And that's a little jarring if you're a Calgary Flames fan. And watching that game last night, again, it, it just goes to show that, yeah, there's when this team plays right and gets things together, they're a very tough team to beat. And they can be very good. Go back go back and watch that Boston game. See what they did against the NHL's best team. A team that's on a historic pace to rip through the regular season. And then that same team had that performance on Saturday night against the Minnesota Wild. And then that same team went into Dallas last night and beat the Stars in a gutsy, gutsy effort. Because I think we all thought this was heading to another one-goal loss in a one-goal game in overtime or a shootout but Tyler to fully rescue things with that absolute beautiful snipe on that breakaway. Sure did. And like the flames need to go on a run here. If they have any chance of getting on the playoffs, you need to string together four, five, six, and you got to get help outside. And listen, you're not getting much help right now. 18 games left. How many wins? Minimum 13. I would say probably, you know, you can mix in a couple of overtime losses there perhaps, but yeah. And, the point being, the teams in front of them aren't necessarily falling off. Predators, 6-3-1 in their last 10. Avalanche, 6-2-2 two two in their last 10. The Oilers have 12 points in their last 10 games. Kraken, Kings, Knights, all on winning streaks. Yeah, I'm, I'm really Minnesota's surprised won four. that the Kraken are maintaining what they've been doing lately here, getting points seemingly game in, game out. You and I picked different teams in the Pacific to both drop out of this thing, and neither of them have. The Kraken and the Kings. Yeah. And Vegas keeps trucking along here, too. 7-1-2 in, in their last 10. You know, they, they are in a little bit of a battle and, to get that first seed against yeah. LA, but it's theirs to lose with two games in hand on the Kings. And and just, and again, let's, and, and please save the text, I'm I'm totally aware. If if the Flames can somehow get this into the playoffs as a wildcard team, mm. If they were to play Dallas, let's say Dallas can hold on to the lead in the Central Division. Sure. Because the Avalanche are, are coming for them. But still, like, it's a seven-point lead in the division for the Dallas Stars over Colorado. Although Colorado does have three games in hand. Mm-hmm. Doesn't mean they're going to win all three of those games. And they have to jump over Minnesota and Winnipeg, too. And I'm well aware that the Flames have never won in Vegas. Mm-hmm. But they've only played their what eight games yeah, like there's not that many right it's and it's obviously a different it's animal not like the duck series exactly the ducks losing streak like, that went for like a decade like if if the flames can somehow some way and it's a slim ch- and it's 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 a low probability less than 25 percent that the flames can get into the playoffs i understand all of that but why couldn't the flames beat a vegas or a dallas in the playoffs i'm totally right there with you like, and, the, and and that's what's so frustrating about this is just get into the dance. Try to get red hot. And again, sometimes the best team not, doesn't necessarily win the Stanley Cup. It's the hottest team that gets in there. And if the Flames can string together a minimum of, what, 13 wins, which is an enormously tall order here down the stretch, yes, they'd be a red hot team heading into the playoffs. Sign me up for a Vegas-Calgary. Sign me up for a Dallas 
As long as you can avoid the avalanche, and again, this is pie in the sky because we're talking about a playoff spot. Yeah. As long as you avoid the Avs, the Flames can conceivably beat any of these teams in the playoffs. I agree. And I would also say that the alternative, which I saw on Twitter yesterday, what are they doing messing up the tank? Uh, Like I've said, all damn season long. It's way too late for that. They can't get Connor Bedard anyway. They would have to drop like a significant amount to get a point two five chance at the lottery. They can't win the lottery if they just miss the playoffs. If they just they have to drop like what? Yeah, what is it? They're not. That's, they have to get into t- bottom twelve to be in the lottery. Yeah, that's not going to happen for this team. Like uh, the Connor Bedard dream is long gone here. Yes. Like and and the way the new draft lottery works, you if you just miss the playoffs, you can't get in there. You can get a nice player if you can move up in the lottery, sure. But you but can only move up one 10 pick, spots. Yes. So. Not going to happen. Not going to happen. I, no. I would totally agree. Because if that. this team is going to miss the playoffs, it's going to be by a very thin margin, I would imagine. Especially with their schedule down the stretch. Mm-hmm. 100%. So. And, and you watch a game like that last night, and you watch the game against the Bruins, and you're like, huh, there, there's some potential with this team. Very hard to play against. And then that's why they're so frustrating because then you watch a game like Saturday and you're like, who are these imposters who totally quit on their season Saturday night? But credit to them for bouncing back and putting together that big win. And they even talked about it on the broadcast, how the flight to Dallas was whisper quiet too because these guys realize what an enormous challenge they have ahead of themselves to try to string together all of these wins to sneak into the Stanley Cup playoffs. Yeah, you needed it because, listen, Saturday almost felt like it was kind of curtains on the season, the way that, that was it at did. the Saddle Dome. Like, Saturday was very sobering to like, yeah, this is probably not going to happen. Yeah. Like, like, they can't score a goal against the Minnesota Wild and got completely outplayed yeah. at home. Like you look And at, looked unmotivated to try and get anything going. Because you look at their upcoming schedule. And they were lost yeah. in the post games. So Just like, stunned. Friday night uh, at home to the Ducks. They're in Minnesota tonight, Friday home to the Ducks, Sunday home to the Senators. That's a tough matchup because Ottawa's been red hot outside of that egg they laid last night in and Chicago. They've been a problem for the at Flames Mullet Arena since the pandemic started. Next Tuesday, that's so, a winnable game. Sign me up. At Vegas, yikes. Home to the Stars. They play the Stars well. At Los Angeles, that's a tough game. At the Ducks, not so much. Home to the Golden Knights. Home to the Sharks. Home to the Kings. At the Canucks. That's the rest of the month. Those are some winnable games here for the Calgary Flames. 100%. But it all starts with this game in Minnesota. And arguably, like like we just said, like Saturday felt like it was curtains. Prove us wrong. Mm-hmm. Today's the day. Because it's the yep. same damn team. Yep. Can you at least show a little bit of life? Uh, Flames like they did yesterday. Wild tonight. Uh, we'll talk to Ryan Leslie. He's with the team. Uh, he'll join us at the top of the hour uh, from Minnesota. Sarah McClellan covers the wild for the Star Tribune. She'll join us at 830. And uh, we're giving away tickets to Kiss. We'll do that after Sarah McClellan to wrap up the show. 960-960. That Tyler Toffoli breakaway was more clutch than blank. That Tyler Toffoli breakaway was more clutch than blank. Straight ahead, though, Jeff Blair from Blair & Barker on the Sportsnet Radio Network and Sportsnet 360 will join us. It's the big show, Wrestling and Rose. Sportsnet 960, the fan. 
Hey, it's Haley Salvian from The Athletic. For a look at the latest on your Calgary Flames and NHL news, go click and subscribe to the Hockey Central 960 podcast. While you're there, please rate and review the show. The Big Show, Russick and Rose, Sportsnet 960, the fan live from Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studio at the top of the hour. Ryan Leslie, Flames reporter for Sportsnet, will join us. He's in Minnesota ahead of the Flames and Wild tonight. We're still giving away KISS tickets for November in the Saddle Dome. KISS. Yes. Uh, that Tyler Toffoli breakaway was more clutch than blank. That Tyler Toffoli breakaway was more clutch than blank. 960, 960, name and location. But right now, uh, he is the host of Blair and Barker on the Sportsnet Radio Network and Sportsnet 360 on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar Guest Hall. And we say good morning to Jeff Blair. Mr. Blair, how are you? I'm doing well, fellas. How are you? We're good. So I just wanted to ask you because you're you're a music guy. You you're 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 a music savant. I know this about you. Um, if you were ever at a funeral and the person was getting buried in a kiss coffin, your reaction would be what? I would completely understand it. Okay, that's because awesome. Now I've already decided that at my funeral. Okay. Uh, when and and I plan on having a funeral. I'm not going to let people get away with one of those ceremonial things or yeah. you know, memoriam. No, it's going to be a funeral. You want people, people to, to weep for you. Yeah. I want people to lift my ass up in a big-ass wooden thing. Yeah. Right? <laughs> and then bury me in the cold ground. But I've already decided yeah. that uh, as, as, as my body is being taken out of whatever facility it's going to be taken out of, I want Bob Marley jamming. I want jamming being played. Okay. Taken out. I, mean, I completely get the... The uh, I completely get the buried and kiss thing. You know, I have a friend who, in his will, is going to have a stand-up comic deliver the eulogy. Oh, okay. But the catch is, he doesn't want the stand-up comic to know him. So he wants his family <laughs> to hire a guy to deliver the eulogy who yeah. doesn't know him, which is which is genius. Something I wish I thought of. That is uh, genius. Amazing. Uh, how creepy would it be if you were at a funeral and they have like people who are like propped up on their favorite motorcycle or whatever? Those things are weird, no? no I'd be okay with that. Like seriously. Okay. I, All right. Okay. I, I I got no problem with when when you are being when you're moving into the afterlife or whatever it is. Yep. You should be able to go however long you want or however way you want, especially if you're old. Like to me, mm. if you die after you're seventy-five, you can do whatever you want. You can be buried in the nude. You can do whatever you want. After All rules are off. Okay, I love it. Uh, I love it. Um, spring training storylines are always the best, Jeff. Uh, it's always overreaction time. But how concerned should anybody be about Vladdy's knee right now? I think every Jays fan across the country should stop what they're doing right now and give thanks to whoever they want to give thanks to for the fact that Vladdy's not going in the World Baseball Classic. I mean, if it was me, I would be walking around. I'd be taking, I'd be going full scale Jeff Gilhooly on my guys if they were going to the World Baseball Classic. <laughs> you know, the guy that, the, uh, what the hell, the figure skater. Tanya Harding. You know, the guy that, yeah. He capped on, whatever he did, anyhow. Yeah. That's what I would be doing with all my players. I love the World Baseball Classic. I, it's a wonderful event. I covered the first World Baseball Classic. It was great fun. I don't want any of my players near it. Because I know one thing about baseball players. I know a couple of things about them. But one thing I do know about baseball players is they don't always react well when you challenge them too early in the spring. Mm. These guys are such creatures of habit. 
and I don't, I, I understand that they're all in their own program and they're going to be monitored and, you know, there'll be pitch restrictions, et cetera, et cetera. Hey, if you're Jose Barrios and you've got two men on base and you're pitching against Porter or against the Dominican Republic and it's your last inning, you're going to be throwing as hard as you freaking can. You're certainly going to be throwing a lot harder than you would have if you were facing some guy with uniform number 87 for the, for the Pittsburgh Pirates and Pirates in Bradenton. So I'm not a, I'm a fan of the world baseball classic, but I'm not a fan of any of my players taking part. So I, I think this is the best possible thing for Vladdy. Stay home, wrap him in bubble wrap, you know, do what you have to spoon feed him, whatever. I just want Vladdy at first base on opening day. I don't care if he lifts the bat for the rest of spring training. Um, Jeff, what about the timing of the World Baseball Classic? Like, there, there's talk, maybe move it to, I don't know, January, maybe have it after the World Series. Like, what do you think of the timing of this thing? No, let's, okay, let, people have mentioned that. Let's think about this for a minute. Okay. The World Series ends in when? Third or, week in November, let's say. Yeah. Uh, the regular season ends, what, the second week of October. What are guys going to be doing for a month? And then you're going to ask them to ramp it up? And, and I mean, you can't. I, I made this point yesterday. A lot of people didn't like it, but that's why I made it. To me, the World Baseball Classic is like the NHL All-Star Game. No one would care if you didn't play it. <laughs> that's fair. It's true. Seriously. John Morosi would be heartbroken if they got rid of the World Baseball Classic. There you go, Russick. There you go. You're ahead of me in that. Um, <laughs> one would care. Yeah. You know, no one, I don't remember. Last year, I don't remember guys sitting around spring training saying, damn it, you know what we should do today? We should be playing Great Britain. <laughs> we should be having a baseball game or against the Czech Republic. That's what spring training needs. Mm. Yeah. Getting the Czech Republic. So it, it's, it's a nice idea. Uh, you know, I guess it might grow the game. Um, it's fun. <laughs> you know, people are going to make money and all that. But it's useless. It is like the NHL All-Star Game. No one would complain. No, Well, in Toronto, we'd complain because we're getting the NHL All-Star Game now. So, of course, it's going to become the most important sports event of the sports calendar. But all, aside, all of that aside, no one would complain if he got rid of these things. That team's uh, going to have a lot of trouble without him, too, hey? Yeah, they're going to be really uh, stuck. I don't know who they face for. Um, you know, uh, I, I, I do know that I think, I think Great Britain's odds went up, uh, went up dramatically with the, with the announcement that Vladdy is, uh, that Vladdy's not playing. So, so there's some countries that'll have like bona fide stars at this thing. And then there's others that just won't be able to get anybody really to show. Why do you think that there's some countries that are able to get their bona fide superstars to show up all of the Dominicans? And then there's other groups who just cannot get them to come to this thing. I mean, part of it is it's timing and, and luck. You know, for example, the Canadian team, you know, Nick Pavetta, I don't know. I think Nick Pavetta got COVID for like the 16th time in spring training. Um, and you can't do anything about that. Jameson Tyon is rehabbing. If I'm rehabbing, I'm not going to be playing the World Baseball Classic. It, it's you're, you're always going to run into that. What I think is kind of interesting is – you really do see how would I put this? You, you, you really did. You really see the sense of national identity in different groups, right? The Dominican players will always play for the Dominican Republic because it's just 
it, it's it's like playing for Team Canada. It's really your only opportunity to represent your country. And if you're a Dominican baseball player, there's a proud history, a long tradition. Uh, it, it, it's it's there's 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 more of a social aspect to it than there are for other teams. And if you go down to the D- Dominican Republic during the winter and you go to a winter ball game, even if guys aren't playing, and I've, I've done it a couple of times, there are tons of the major leaguers in the stands, right? Like guys will go out to watch their buddy play and they'll sit in the stands to drink. And it's it's a really it's a really interesting community. It's very, I wouldn't say it's closed. It's very large. A lot of them have a ton of money because they're major league players. They live a good life. They socialize. And, and there's that real sense of camaraderie, you know, around, around that team. Same with the Venezuelans. The Venezuelans, I mean, they've had an interesting thing. They, they I, I used to equate the Venezuelans to the Finns when it comes to hockey. Mm. And that, you know, if you talk to anybody around an international tournament, there are two countries that take it in a life and death manner. One is Canada, the other is the Finns. Like if you want to, if you want to get a Finn crying, you know, other than taking all the vodka off the shelf, if you want to get a Finn to cry, <laughs> you start talking about their national team. And it's Venezuela used to be like that. Then there were some political issues in Venezuela. You literally, you had teams. You had a team whose manager was picked by the governing authority, which was tied into the government. Uh, nobody liked the government. I mean, you had all sorts of issues that interrupted that. This year, you're seeing a really good Venezuelan team because kind of the political climate around the team has changed. So now a lot of guys are willing to play for the team. And it's like anything else. It's a combination of health, and it's a combination of where you are in your career. And, you know, it, I, I think the other thing that sometimes happens, guys, is, you know, when you pick Team Canada for a hockey tournament, none of those guys are going to lose their spot on their NHL roster because they're not in camp, right? If we hold a world or a world hockey championship in, in training camp, you know, Mitch Marner's going to not going to lose a spot on the Leafs because he wasn't in camp to fight for his spot. Uh, he was playing for team Canada. A lot of these guys from the smaller countries, from other countries, you know, if you're the, if, if, if you're the guy fighting for a bullpen spot or you're the guy fighting for that, 26th man spot, you're going to want to be in camp. You're going to want to take advantage of the opportunities you get to get an extra at bat or maybe get that extra start or maybe that extra relief appearance or those three extra bullpens in front of the major league staff. So there are a lot of factors of work, I think, with the World Baseball Classic. And again, this just gets back to it. I, I, it's, it's never going to be perfect. This is probably as good as it can be. Uh, and that's, you know, that's just kind of where we are with it. Jeff Blair is the host of Blair and Barker on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Joining us here on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline, Big Show, Russick and Rose, 960. The fan, where are you at right now, Jeff, with the Yusei Kikuchi hype train in spring training? Are you, like, on board, or is it going to derail, like, a train in Ohio would full of chemicals? I'm just... Uh, I would, uh, yeah. I would say that I'm probably just getting out of bed and trying to figure out whether or not I actually want to catch the train today. Okay. Um, yeah, I, you know, uh, I need. I, I'd like to see some velo. I I don't get I don't get carried away by anything I see uh, in the first two outings of spring training. Let's see what it's like when he's throwing his 75th pitch of the game, and if it's 
you know, if he's still 92, 93, yeah, I need to see more than that. Um, that but, but, I mean, I would say that about anybody. I would say that about Alec Manoa as well. I just, I, until I see what guys are throwing when they're around 70, 75 pitches, I really don't pay attention to it. Um, uh, you know, that's just the way I am. Uh, who's impressed you more than Ricky Tiedemann in camp? Because he's looked fantastic so far. Yeah, uh, boy, boy, is he ever. Uh, I mean, in terms of position players, I think Addison Barger is a guy who's mm. really helped himself. He's their top position prospect. He's going to be at third base, AAA this year. Uh, he's a guy who's become a lefty hitter. He's, uh, he's an interesting cat. He's huge. I had no idea he was that, that big, that muscular. And he's uh, he opened a lot of eyes in the organization last year, but I think he's put himself in the position right now where he's not going to break camp with the team. But if somebody goes down, if a middle infielder goes down, he would have to be the first guy they would call up. And he's been really impressive. And we're led to believe, I, I haven't seen it yet, but we're led to believe that he's really good defensively. And the only reason I haven't seen it is because I just I, I haven't been paying that close attention to him. He's a real good defensive player with a good arm. And there are people in the organization who will tell you his arm is almost as good as Matt Chapman. So he's a guy that is, has really, really been intriguing. And, you know, there's some minor league arms as well. Uh, Junior Fernandez is a guy who hit 100. That doesn't necessarily mean anything except for the fact that anytime a guy hits 100, my eyes light up, right? Uh, and and but those those would be the main guys. And other than that, it's kind of uh, it's, it's it's kind of been kind of been what what we thought it would be. You know, you you look at the things you're seeing, and and the one thing that that, that really stands out, I guess, in terms of position players is Matt Chapman. My friend Kevin Barker and other people have always talked about how Matt Chapman needs a trigger in a swing that Matt Chapman, a lot of the times is awfully stationary and he just needs that little thing that gets a swing going earlier for whatever reason, he hasn't been able to incorporate one in the past two years. This year, he's got a little bit of a toe tap, which probably sounds silly, but what it has done is it puts his body in a better position when he's ready to deliver his swing. That's been noticeable. And if Matt Chapman, who is a free agent at the end of this year and who is arguably one of the, well, now that everybody seems to be signing long-term contracts, he could very well be the best left-side infielder in the free agent market this year. If he has a good year, if he can bump his average up a little bit, but he can be a little more of the offensive player he was when he finished eighth in all-star voting or whatever it was, eighth, eighth or seventh or sixth, he, he could be he could be primed for a real good year. So it's those things I've seen that impress me. When I see a guy who is doing stuff he needs to do in order to be ready for the regular season. If Nate Pearson can come in and, and help this bullpen and be healthy and, and be consistent, what would that mean for the Blue Jays? Would that be found money for this group? Oh, my God, it would be massive. Uh, I mean, this bullpen right now uh, was was a middle of the pack, a middle of the pack bullpen last year. Eric Swanson, I mean, he's okay, I guess. Uh, the Mariners didn't like him enough, you know. They 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 
they basically shut him down in the postseason, uh, which would always concern me. But he's an improvement over what they've had. Look, if, if Nate Pearson comes along and can push out somebody somebody like Trevor Richards or, or no, Trent Thornton would be more than anything else. If he could come along and push out somebody like Trent Thornton, I feel awfully good about the bullpen. Trent, Trent Thornton to me is the – every year I have a guy, right, and I look at this guy and I go, okay, if this guy is on the team, then they're not as good as I think they are. And this year Trent Thornton's my guy. If Trent Thornton is on the team, then I'm – you know, they really have that much depth in the minor leagues. Like, is Nate Pearson really that good that Trent Thornton is making the team? But I, I, I will say this in addition to Nate Pearson. They've got a couple of guys uh, in uh, uh, Hayden Hayden Yanger and uh, Hagen Danner. I know I'm going to get those two mixed up all year. And Joe's Verzulueta. <laughs> they got three guys throwing really hard who will probably start the year at AAA. And one of those guys – one of those guys could very easily be with the major league team in April and end up staying there for the rest of the year because the Jays are up against the salary cap right now. They're actually they're actually at the first luxury tax threshold. They're over the first luxury tax threshold. And that, that other than doing something like putting a trade together and getting rid of Jose Barrios' contract, which isn't going to happen, the only way the Jays can get below that luxury tax threshold or give themselves a little wiggle room to make the mini start pairing at the edges a bit, right? Get rid of a couple of guys who are making $2.5 million a year or $1.5 million a year, maybe replacing them with a guy on a, on a, on a minor league contract. And, and I think that's what this organization would like to see. They'd like to see Nate Pearson and maybe one of those other young guys come along so they could save a little money. I mean, even $2 million doesn't sound like much on a major league payroll, but you know what? When you get to the trade deadline yeah. and you're starting to acquire players and you're only paying half their salary, having $2.5 million, you can make that work. $2.5 million is a $5 million arm that you're bringing in for half the year. So keep an eye on things like that happening sort of at the fringes of the, uh, of the roster. Bo Bichette has absolutely racked up the hits in the last two seasons. Are you seeing maybe more patience in his approach at the plate near the end of last season, continuing into spring training, and, and how could that help him be an even better batter when he's in the box? Yeah, I don't know about I don't know about Bo and patience. I think Bo is what he is. Uh, I, I'm kind of in the minority here in that uh, I I just want Bo I want Bo to hit cleanup. I just want him to go up there and not worry about anything but hitting the ball hard and hitting bombs and hitting doubles, and I don't care about anything else. And I, Bo is a guy, for whatever reason, that people love to psychoanalyze. Right? It, it is a cottage industry around this team trying to, quote-unquote, figure out Bo Bichette. I would argue there's nothing to figure out. He, he is at best going to be an average defender, at best. Uh, he's a good athlete. I'm, I'm intrigued in seeing how the, the shift will help or hinder him. But you know, the, the, the dude's led, led the majors in hits the last two years. That, that's who he is. Um, so I don't know if I really want more patience. I, I kind of want the same aggressiveness. Hmm. I just think Bo needs to be down in the order and, dri- and driving in some runs. And, you know, he, uh, a couple of years ago, he had a lot of fun in the cleanup spot. 
statistically and if you talk to him about just his, his level of enjoyment. So, you know, maybe a little more patient, but not patient to draw walks, I guess, as much as patient to get his to get his his pitch a little more. But I listen, George. I've said this from the time he came up, uh, Carlos. Uh, you know. Uh, Carlos Tosca. Charlie Montoyo said it. Other mm-hmm. people around the organization have said it. I think Bobichet's going to win a batting title at some point in the next two years. And I, I just think it's going to come naturally. Wow. Um, before I let you go, Jeff, we, we've we've had a lot of topics. We've talked about funerals, uh, the World Baseball Classic, the Blue Jays in spring training. I wanted to ask you your thoughts on the race at the top of the table in the Bundesliga. It, it looks like it, this isn't a runaway for Bayern Munich, which is a little surprising. I know Gladbach, your team, middle of the table, not having the best season, but your thoughts on the race for the Bundesliga title this year? I mean, all in, I'm all in on Union Berlin right now. Okay. That's who I'm all in on. They're kind of like the, the little engine that could. And, uh, it, I mean, look, Bayern, I think, will still win, but they're going to they're gonna be pushed. Uh, Dortmund has surprised me a bit. I thought I, I thought there'd be a little bit of uh, disharmony with that team. They've got some players who are probably going to leave at the end of the year, like Jude Bellingham, and probably go on to bigger things. But they've done a nice job of, of keeping it together. But I mean, Bayern still, Bayern still, Bayern. Uh, my only question with Bayern is, you know, when you won a league title so often, does it get old? And at some point, do you? Mm lose focus right on it because it's just it's it's just there but i'd love to see a team like union berlin win Uh, they got this little tiny stadium it's in the it's it's the the place is called the the old foresters house like how can you not like a stadium (laughs) called the old foresters house it's true Uh, give you those images of the black forest in germany and elves and lederhosen and yeah you know uh, some of us blonde uh you know uh what do you call pigtailed Women dancing in the forest. Yep. With, you know, name Heidi. Yep, for sure. Mm. Uh, Heidi, exactly. Or yep. Ingrid. Yep, absolutely. Um, can Man City go. can Man City win the Champions League? No. Okay. Really? Okay. Not with Erling Holland. Okay. Like yeah, you're you're asking a Manchester United guy if Man City can win. No. All right. That was a good match on they Sunday. Probably, that was a tough one, Jeff. Probably will win, but will they? No. Yeah, you that, know what I mean. That was a tough match for Man U on Sunday. That was a tough one. Yeah. Against Liverpool. Well, you know what? Every now and then you got to let the little teams have a little taste of success. You know? <laughs> I love it. Uh, Jeff Blair, uh, the host of Blair and Barker on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Uh, Mr. Blair, always fun. Let's do it again soon, pal. Absolutely, boys. Take care. Have a great day. Uh, he's the best. Jeff Blair on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline. Brought to you by Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar. Using the same secret recipe since 1975. Dining at 6060 Memorial Drive Northeast. Takeout or delivery at 403-248-3344. Our listeners are dying to know about the top of the, yeah. the Bundesliga. Yeah. And if Man City can get it done finally in the Champions yeah. League. Yeah, tell me about the Brock Mocks and the Vanderbonks and the Bratwursts or whatever they are. Yeah, good. All yeah. Those, those all sound like teams. Love it. And you love the move from Erling Holland going to oh. Man City. The best. You're I, like, want, I want Maddie to read all the team names in the I, Bundesliga. I can't even tell you how much. <laughs> you think you can? You want to read some of them? I I bet I could do them. 
No problem. Can can you pull it up here? Bundesliga. Yeah, just go Teams. German soccer standing. I can spell Bundesliga, okay. George. I'm I can't. Not, I'm not a rube. Yeah, I'm terrible at spelling. All right, let's see here. Okay, Structure, go ahead, real quick. history, reunification. No, yada, just go yada. to the current I'm table. I'm trying to find it. Clubs. FC Augsburg. All right. Okay. Bayer Leverkusen. Not yeah. bad. Uh, Bayern Munich. Bayern. All right, yeah. All right, I want to. VFL Bochum. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Borussia Dortmund. Borussia. Yeah. That's like that's that's Patrick's team. He wears the two all the time. Yeah. I know. Okay. Borussia Dortmund. Borussia. Borussia. Yeah. They're, like, they're like the Boston Bruins of the Bundesliga. Uh, they, oh, nice. So like same color scheme. And same color scheme. The yellow there's, wall. There's yep. Bo- Borussia. Mönchengladbach. 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 That's that, Jeff Blair's that, team. That's Gladbach. Gladbach. That's his team. Yeah, that's the short form. Okay. Uh, Eintracht Frankfurt. Yeah, that's pretty good. SC Freiburg. Yeah. Wow, look at you. 1899 Hoffenheim. You're nailing these. FC Köln. Yeah, Cologne, yeah. RB Leipzig. Look at you. Mainz 05. Mainz. Mainz, yeah, close. Schalke 04. Schalke. Close. VFB Stuttgart. Yeah. Union Berlin. Union. Union, yeah. Union Berlin. Werder Bremen. Yeah. Look at you. V- All right. You've impressed me. You've v- impressed me. V- VFL Wolfsburg. Okay, we'll stop. Uh, yeah, People are getting it. upset. He did Thanks, kill guys. it. Good job. You should learn where is the crapper in German. All right. Uh, Ryan Leslie <laughs> plays host for Sportsnet straight ahead. Sarah McClellan, Minnesota wild rider for the Star Tribune. We're giving away kiss tickets at the end of the show. We're our part of the show. Uh, 960-960. That Tyler Toffoli breakaway was more clutch than blank. That Tyler Toffoli breakaway was more clutch than blank. Blank. Than blank. Blank. It's all straight ahead. It's a big show. Russell Kinrow, Sportsnet 960. The fan. Wo ist der Scheiß?